This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And you're listening to That's the Ticket. Today I'm very pleased uh, to say that HVAC is back. <laughs> Little woo in the background there. Yes, back in May, a friend of the show, Yvonne from Right On for the Arts, and I introduced a Hannah and Von Answer Questions, aka HVAC, uh, where we basically answered questions sent into That's the Ticket um, via our social channels. And uh, I figured after about six months, we could give it another crack. Yeah. Uh, especially because we didn't even get through, like, all of the questions last time. Sounds like us. Yeah, yeah. Lo- loves a tangent. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's with great pleasure that um, I welcome Yvonne back to TTT. Kia ora, mate. Kia ora. Um, thanks for coming back. It's been a hot minute. Well, it's been about a hot, what, 12 hours? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Yvonne and I may or may not have been together um, last night, but you know, has it even been 12 hours? Oh, maybe it's been a bit longer. Yeah, just over, but yeah, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Let's not get buried in the numbers, but um, actually I feel like it's important to mention that uh, you're episode 165 today. Am I? Yeah. And last time I had you on was with um friend of the show, Tracy Wil- Wilson from yeah. Life to Costume Hire, episode 150. Oh, so you're kind of getting me in, in every 15 episodes, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. Or you get all the, all, you know, all the big dog episodes. <laughs> if I don't get 200, girlfriend, I won't be happy. <laughs> Honestly, half the time it's not until I'm sitting here, like, looking at my show notes that I realise, because I just put the number at the top, and yep. I'm like, oh, this is potentially a significant episode. I mean, they're all significant. I always find yeah, a way. Yeah, they are. Yeah. You know, every every week I'm like, and this is a very special episode because, and I feel like it always is because I'm always getting the tea. I'm always getting the inside yeah. scope. And I, you know, I always enjoy having you on, Yvonne, because, you know, you offer a different perspective and a perspective that I relate to because we're both kind of off stage but super involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I enjoy being here. It's great. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I feel like I've lost count of how many times you've actually been on the show because it's I think you it's might like, be double digits at this uh, rate oh not quite not quite no I might have to go through the previous 164 episodes <laughs> besides episode 150 and figure it out yeah I think I did episode one you did do episode one one oh yeah okay I'll do some maths and buy a lot of tickets <laughs> I can't believe you're number one though yeah I think about, you know, the person I was back in episode one and the person I am now, yeah. or at least the podcast host I am now, and I feel yeah. like there's been a lot of um, positive development yes. in that space. Eh? Yeah. Oh, crikey. I'm not nearly as nervous as I was with episode one. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is why Yvonne's a good guest, because she's pretty much always up for anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess, see, I've already gone on a huge tan- tangent talking about myself, but, I mean, should we crack into the, to some of these questions? <laughs> Come on, HVAC, what's happened to you? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, full start on um, HVAC round two. But um, this one is uh, one that I pulled 
from the first round of HVAC that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, how do I pick a show that will do well? And I feel like there's there's a few kind of perspectives on this one because like, are they talking about a show that does do well mean sell well, or like be able to cast in Kitty Kitty or Hamilton or you know? It's a very yeah, open question. It is an open question. Um, let's think about it from a bums on seats point of view. Okay. Yep. Um, probably in the first instance, you need to pick a musical. No. <laughs> yes. Pick a musical. Ta-da. Um, perhaps pick something well known that mm. you know people are going to buy into. Uh, not something too obscure if you're brand new into producing mm. um, because it's already two strikes against your name. Um, and then yeah, going back to casting, if you can, you know you can probably draw the cast from within town, that's usually a good sign. Yeah, and usually the, the points that you've brought up kind of feed into each other because it's, yeah. it's like if the show's well known, then in theory you're more likely to get people to want to audition it, yes. audition for it or be involved in it somehow. You know, they feed into each other. Yeah. Interesting, though, I do want to challenge you a bit on the obscure point. No, it's just because, you know, I like stirring the pot on that. So oh, okay. okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> no, but I'm kind of like, isn't it like, you know, the phrase, the higher the risk, the higher the return? So if it's super obscure, my example that I'm going to give, and I'm going to give a real-time recent example, um, Wing Valley Productions, Trail to Oregon. <laughs> No, because that show is well known, but it's not a classic, you know, and it's obscure in the sense that it's a bit like kind of random, yeah. but that show did really well. And so it, I feel like if you do something a bit air quotes risky, yeah. then it can work in your favour. But then if it doesn't, you're in trouble. Yeah. The great thing about that show was it had a really strong, well-known cast. Mm. So that helped drive ticket sales. And also they had a really slick marketing campaign. Mm. And also they chose a theatre that it was well suited to. It was perfect for the meteor. Mm. So yeah, I, that, I guess that all plays into it as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, a similar thing, um, again, I'm bringing up Reese current examples, but um, the importance of being earnest <gasps> at Gaslight Theatre. Yes. Um, I actually had uh, a couple of casts on the podcast last week, um, Kilda team, but uh, that one, I think, venue-wise... That's perfect. an example of it's yep. perfect because it's like, you know, Gaslight's a lovely little... Intimate theatre. Intimate theatre. It is just beyond cutie-cute. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And, um, you know, it's a cast of nine characters and it just fitted really well um, on that size of stage and things. So, yeah, you have to, when choosing a show, think about the season where it's going to occur and everything, there's a whole lot of factors you have to take into consideration. Mm. But for a small fee, Hannah and I could tell you whether or not it's going to work. <laughs> okay, I'll hold you to that, Yvonne. And then I guess another thing that's popped into my head is you got to think about your target audience as well, yep. especially if we're answering this question from a ticket sales perspective. Yep. you got to think, okay, what's the demographic? Who are the ticket buyers for that demographic? And then yep. make sure your marketing's targeted that way. Or if you go, okay, who's who do I think is, you know, most likely to be the ticket buyer of households in Hamilton and go, what shows would they be into? Yep. But then the other thing, oh, we could talk about this thing for a whole hour. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, 
you've got to look broadly and see what else is being done around town and what has been done well. True. Um, you can't do like for like. There's got to be a bit of variation so that you may tap into a slightly different market than another theatre mm. may have recently produced. Um but yeah, uh, that's another thing with rights holders. They're not going to let the same show play twice in a region. But you don't want to, in this day and age, with the cost of living crisis, etc., mm. you, you don't want to um, hedge all your bets on one particular type of musical theatre. If it's literally been done to death and people don't have any more spare money to go and see another and support another, even mm. though they'd like to. Yeah. And I mean, same applies to plays because I... If we're going looking at the Oscar Wildes and the Shakespeare's, I imagine the rights kind of situation is a bit different. Yeah. At least with Shakespeare, because you know they're so old. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know, if you've just done a cracking season of the Scottish play, don't follow it up with Romeo and Juliet. You know, yeah. variety is the spice of life. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, but I I do want to stress that. Um, this is our opinion and our advice, but when we're not saying that this is the only way, listeners. Yeah. But if at the end of the day you want people to enjoy what you've created and if you don't have the right show or the right ticket price or the right venue or the right cast or the right marketing campaign, you're not going to get bums on seats and it's going to be a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, no fair. I mean, there's something to be said. Some people are like, well, you know, if we only sell three tickets, then we want it to be an incredible show for those three people. But then I'm also like, you know. Hang on, there's 25 people behind the scenes that slog their guts out yeah. for eight weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's all in- interconnected. It is. But um, this is a nice segue into another question we received. Um, and I feel like this is a hard one. And I feel like we got to tread carefully with this one. But um, what's a good ticket price? Again, I think it pays initially to probably talk to the venue in which mm. you're holding the production and just um, take their advice because they know what works, what sells. They've got months and years of records and data. Um, and also just look around and see what something similar has been yeah. selling for. So you can't price something at 50 bucks if the last you know, 15 musicals have been at 20 bucks, for instance. Yeah, and I mean, another thing, which I was going to say goes without saying, but I know in our first HVAC back in May, we did talk about like the importance of making a budget and stuff when putting on a show. And so that can also be a helpful way to try and figure out your ticket mm-hmm. prices if you work like backwards, if you're yeah. like, okay, this is how much it costs to put on the show. Yeah. And then figure out, you know, average ticket price to cover that. Um, yeah, your costs yeah. based on. 50% audience capacity, 60%. Yep. I always go 60 to 70% when I do a budget because I'm oh, just 100%. like, if I, I mean, don't back 100% my... go 60 to 70%. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if I don't back myself, how do yeah. I expect everyone else to back me? Yeah. You know? But then I guess if you go 50%, then you're probably more likely to make a profit if you sell it out. But, you know, mm. things to consider when I'm um, doing a ticket price. But, I mean, it, it is hard with the current um, cost of living situation as well so you know i think you make a very good point of one with saying talk to the venue yeah because they'll know yeah 
And it's, you know, obviously coming up, it's too late for um, early 2024. But for instance, um, if you're going to do the Hamilton Arts Festival, Mm. they can give you a really good gauge on what works as a ticket price, depending Mm. on capacity and venue and whatnot. This has made me think of a sub question. Oh, I know it's another it's another bit of a, a I don't know if it's tricky, but like when you go and see a show and you buy a ticket, like how do you even measure a show's worth? You know, because I always find that weird. Is it does is how I felt watching the show is that what gauges how much I think it's worth, or is it like the amount of kind of production value that equal do you get what i'm saying i'm doing a very bad job of explaining it but that's that's always a thing where people are like oh is it worth this ticket price and i'm like well it depends how you measure worth it does depend on that mm. oh now i have to think about this we might have to cut to a break <laughs> no that's that's fair i, I I'll, I'll let you stew on that one because it is super on the fly but um it's good that you actually mention a song segue because the first song I've got lined lined up is one you bought to the <gasps> show of on. Oh no, which one of my fifty million songs is it? <laughs> um, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, Dancing this, in the Dark. Oh my God, this song could have changed the trajectory of my life. Oh, I love a song, but I hate the song. Do I want to ask? Yes, you do. Is okay. it safe for radio? Oh, yes, totally. Okay, let's go. So, as we all know, all the best people went to Hillcrest High. Yes, we did. <laughs> and HSU. And I um, I studied piano for 12 years, mm. but I was very much, I need my music in front of me, and, you know, I can't just play on the floor. Like, I could, you know, listen to something and play it, but I'd get quite nervous if I didn't have sheet music in front of me. Mm. Anyway, the... The boys that got the rock band together at school, they wanted a keyboardist. And I'm like, Yvonne, Yvonne, you should come and do it. You should come and do it. Because the other guy pulled out because he was like in the soccer team or something. And um, so I went along and this song was massive and they wanted me to learn it. And obviously it's very simple in terms of keys. And I played it and I was okay with it, but I just completely lost my confidence. And I just, too soon, I said, no, no, I can't do it. Had I... you know, stayed with it, I probably would have become a famous rock band keyboardist or something. So, I mean, I should have pressed on. I should have believed in myself and gone, no, Vaughn, you can do it without sheet music or at least just had some subtle notes or something. Have you played it since? Yeah, I, um, oh, probably, yeah, the last time I had my piano out, my piano is currently in storage. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, one day we'll get a keyboard in here. Oh, yeah, you can, cool. you can okay, I'll go. crank it out. Yeah, okay. Crank it out. But um, we'll leave that for Bruce today. Yeah. Um, here's uh, Dancing in the Dark. Just dancing in the 
Radio's on and I'm moving round the place I check my look in the mirror Wanna change my clothes, my hair, my face And I ain't getting nowhere I'm just living in a dump like this There's something happening somewhere Baby, I just know you kiss You can't start a fire You can't start a fire without a spark This comes for higher Even if we're just dancing Kiss the wine, it's on me I shake this world off my shoulders Come on, baby, the laugh's on me Stay on the streets of this town Then they'll be carving you up all right You say you gotta stay hungry Uh, Dancing in the Dark, a uh, classic by Bruce Springsteen, who I believe has a biggest fan who's my guest today. You're, you're a bit of a Springsteen. No, 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 not actually, because he was really mean to John Bon Jovi, who is the love of my life. Oh, there when it is. Bon Jovi was starting out, he wouldn't give them the time of day. So, no, no, not a fan. Then why'd you bring it to the show? Because of the story. Yeah, because of the story. Because <laughs> you always like a little bit of a, you know, gossish, don't you, yeah. about my music. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I probably just got um, Springsteen and um, Bon Jovi mixed up in that moment. Because obviously I know you're a huge Bon Jovi fan. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. In my mind, I put them in the same realm. <gasps> which I realise is a mistake now that you've oh, just dear. shared some. I know. This is how you treat guests on um, That's <laughs> yeah, the Ticket. Yeah, you get really mean to them. <laughs> you get them rolled them. up. Yeah. But, um, you know, while that song was playing, Yvonne and I were just kind of addressing that surprise question that I... The old <laughs> sub-question. Sub-question when we were talking about ticket price. And then I'm like, how do you measure a show's worth? Because I feel like that kind of springs into your mind 
when you set a ticket price. You're like, is my work worth this much? And, you know, I asked the question knowing it was a tricky question. I mm. don't necessarily agree with <laughs> agree with my own question, you know, because I think if you're going to go to the effort to put on a play or put on a musical, then you got to back yourself and you got to say this is worth however much you're kind of going to set your ticket price as. But, I mean, I guess a general consensus we reached, Yvonne. Yeah, it's more about the entire experience for the audience. Mm. So just bearing in mind, um, for instance, if I went with someone who didn't really know theatre or, or, you know, wasn't really that involved in the arts and they were just amping, having the time of their life, you know, they had a couple of drinks, I got to catch up with friends, um, it was sort of thought-provoking in some way or I was thoroughly entertained, then yes, that is definitely worth the ticket price. So mm. you've got to look at it from a... Um, a complete point of view rather than just a plus b equals price yeah yeah, yeah. or equals worth but yeah, yeah i guess to sum it up um worth is in the eye of the beholder it is indeed <laughs> yeah you can quote me on that um but uh just looking at my list of uh questions and i feel like i should have said this at the top but um to every, to everyone who sent in questions to the that's the ticket for facebook page or to me just individually um, for both HVAC One and today, thank you. Thank you. Because, well, you know, it's a bit of a gamble, and um, if no one sent anything in, then... we just have to talk about rugby. Yeah, <laughs> legit though. Yeah. Or, or we just have to like make up our own questions and pretend that they were sent in. But I'm yeah. a very bad liar, so I don't know if that would go as well yeah. as I. No, we yeah. appreciate you guys. Thank you. And then if you have got any value from this Hannah might let me come back again and we'll do episode 3 of HVAC yeah but send us some like tricky questions next time trickier than these oh well that was a sub question so okay yeah about as tricky as a sub question that we just had okay I mean oh see I was going to say it's the next one tricky it's not that tricky it's quite easy actually um someone very kindly said how can I come and talk about my show on that's the ticket and now that I'm reading it aloud I'm like I feel like I'm just being trolled (laughs) Which is fine. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to name and shame because, uh, you know, I was like, anyone who messaged in, I'm like, I'm going to keep it anonymous, just, you know. But I know who you are <laughs> and you can come on That's the Ticket. Um, anyone who's listening, uh, it's just just message me. Call me, beat me if you want to yeah. reach me. And if you're too chicken to message Hannah, hit me up and then I'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Even last night I was introducing people that I thought knew each other to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and actually Yvonne's quite good. Like um, when I last had her on with uh, Tracy Wilson from Hamilton Costume Hire, um, like you're good at just being a s- – like a mate, like if you don't want to do an interview by yourself, Yvonne will oh, just come I'll on. I'll be like a co-host. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, if you want me to come along with you to chat about whatever your project is, I would love to. Yeah, even if she doesn't know what it is, she yeah. can just you know, I'll just wing it. <laughs> just yeah. wing it. But um, yeah, I guess now I'll just take this opportunity to uh, do a shameless plug and say that like this show is on every Tuesday, so I am always looking for guests. And the thing I always get, and I feel like you may have said it to me before, Yvonne, but um, people saying, I'm not interesting, what are we going to talk about? Oh, no. Everyone's interesting. Everyone's got a story. And um, it's all about, it's actually all about the interviewer. Mm. So if they think they're not interesting, it's actually down to you to make them interesting. (laughs) 
I just, I mean, usually I tell people, I'm like, if you care about what you're talking about, yeah. then if you're everyone else is going to care about yeah. it. But yeah. Um, yeah, now I feel a bit more pressure. Yeah, as no, I but embark. it's actually, um, it's a really cash situation here in the studio. Yeah, there's no cameras or anything like that recording you. It's honestly just like sitting around having a bit of a chat, yeah. shooting the breeze, and discussing the project. Yeah, and. Other things. Yeah, and the other thing is you won't come into the uh, interview blind like Hannah will a few days before tell you what she's going to ask you, so you will have a chance to prepare or just make some basic notes yeah. think about what you think you might want to say. Did you bring notes today? No, I'm just winging it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, this is the thing. It, it comes up is like people will come in and they'll have heaps of notes. And, like, this is not me note shaming because I'm like, do what you need to do. But, like, I have notes, but I usually – look at them once and then it gets to the end of the show and I'm like, oh, I better look at upcoming events just so I don't get the dates yeah, wrong. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's just always just nice having them there. And yeah, so sometimes yeah. people have that, they'll write out all this stuff yeah. and then once we get chatting, yeah. they been, won't look down. Yeah, I've been in here with guests who have brought in screeds of notes and then mm. they've glanced at them or you yeah, haven't used them at all. So it's entirely up to you. Yeah. We don't mind. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're chill if that's the ticket. Um, but okay. Now, now I'm going to get a bit hard case. Um, oh. no, no, that was me trying to make a pun because this next question is, what's the hardest thing you've had to do in a show? So like costume change, set change, etc. Or I mean, it can be in performance. Mm. Like everyone's got like a, a set change or a solo or something from a show that they always remember as just being like, you know, like a 30 second costume change or a 10 second costume change or something like that. Um, I, I've talked about this before, probably when Ruby was 12, her costume change mm. in Secret Garden, that was whirlwind. Um, 2005 Rocky, again, massive costume change going into the final scene. Um, that was just hectic. Um, so tell me some of yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine are usually like set related, um, because, you know, I, I love a bit of backstage. Um, the Adams Family musical at Rivley Theatre, I feel like it was 2016. I had, there were these two gates that attached to the set and they had like two little rings, one at the top and one at the bottom and you slotted them on oh, yeah. a pole that was like a small thing that was sticking out from the set. Yeah. And it was like in the dark and I just remember... <laughs> Like, there were some nights where I was doing this live and I could only hook one of them, and so then the lights would go up and I'm still still trying to hook it, and then the person from the other gate had to come and help me hook it because they had hooked their gate on. <laughs> but, yeah, every night. Uh, this is the thing, like, when you're stage crew, you spend, like, 30 minutes stressing about a 30-second set yeah. change. Yep, that's true. But, um, oh, and then I guess performance-wise, like, I've had some challenging costumes in my mm. time. Um, when I was Mrs. Beaver in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, um, my costume was quite hot because uh, I was wearing this beaver suit, but underneath I had, um, I call it a duvet singlet because it was literally a oh, duvet and then cut yeah. and sewn into like a singlet, like I would put it on so I'd be like a real bulky beaver yeah, and very squishy. And then the tail was probably the, the worst. Because oh I just God. had to pack it up backstage, but then once on stage, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story on That's the Ticket before, but I was going to exit the stage, and um, friend of the show, uh, Megan, <laughs> Megan, 
uh, Megan Goldsman, um, was walking behind me and she stood on my tail and I was just stopped and was like, <laughs> it gave me a bit of a fright. And then Hamilton Arts Festival, back when it was known as Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival, um, Basically, I had to go from being part of a camel to being a princess in, like, 26-degree heat. Oh, no. And it, it was very hot, but it was yeah. character-building stuff. We we had some good um, kind of temperature management things. I just wore a lot of ice packs. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, no, Leslie Wilson, um, local uh, wardrobe legend, legend um, she was very good to me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd say those are some of my challenges. <laughs> Um, I've thought of a couple while you were just speaking now. One would have been Oliver in 2012. Mm. We had 120 orphans divided into two groups, so two groups of 60, plus we had 14 um, in Fagan's gang, and so that was a lot of kids to wrangle from the ages of like 5 to 16. So that was quite hard, and just making sure everyone was fed and happy and watered and in the right costume with the right props and whatnot it's it has its moments but probably one of the hardest things would have been almost exactly a year ago today and that's when we had to uh cancel a week of grease because just about every single person went down with covid it was devastating we loved the production we loved what we put together and then COVID just went rampant. Yeah, yeah. And even though we had triple cast some roles, we double cast a whole lot and triple cast, when the third person was being taken out, it was just too hard. Yeah, I mean, it was the right thing to do, though. Yeah, it was. Because then you guys just, you just pushed it longer. Yeah. And so, which I, I appreciate. And I think since that, like, there's been a lot more understudies yeah have just this year every at least every musical i've been to there's been understudies and understudy nights are becoming a thing which yep. i think is an awesome initiative and Same. i've talked about this before yeah but i'm just like we're basically they have one or more performances where the understudies go on yeah because i'm like yeah they've done the same rehearsals as the people you know the first cast people in this so they should at least get to go on once you yep. know because yeah. I, I feel like back in the day you'd have understudies, but then they'd only go on if they had to go on. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but then all that work, you know. But mm. um, that's a good point. I mean, it's not a competition about who had the hardest time because, I mean, it, it was the best of times, it was the it was worst, worst of times. times. We've, we've, we've had some, um, you know, challenging stuff, but I wouldn't yeah. change a thing. You know, oh, we, absolutely. we always and go I back, think, don't we, Yvonne? Yeah, always, even though we're never going back and then... A couple of days later, we're back. Um, And I think that's the other thing to bear in mind. There's going to be something that knocks you for a six in every single production. Mm. Something is going to go awry. And you've just got to roll with the punches and figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, share it with people who will have a solution. Mm. Because there is always a solution, unless it's COVID. You hey, to cancel. The solution is postponement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there's always a solution. <laughs> hey, you always got to value. You, you got to put your health first. Yeah, always. But um, you know, I feel like I need to um, put something else first now, which is. Um, <gasps> oh, can I say what I think it is? <laughs> yeah, all right. I think we're coming up to Rick's pick. You're correct. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, for those of you listening, those of you listening who are unfamiliar with Rick's pick, basically, I have an uncle Rick, and he's a great listener of music, great listener of radio. And when he found out I was starting, that's the ticket here on Free FM. He was like, "Okay, Hannah, I'm going to give you a list of songs, and every week we can play Rick's pick." 
And uh, every week we have, and Yvonne's been here for quite a few Rick's picks now. Yeah. I try and go on theme, even though there isn't really a theme for today's episode. So I've just gone for an 80s banger. But I don't know. How do you feel about Blondie? Yep. Okay. Awesome. Praise be. I mean, if you didn't rate this song, then I wouldn't really mind because I love it. Um, It's a song called Atomic. And um, it's on my rum playlist, and it also always makes me think of my sister Missy, friend of the show, because you'll hear there's a line in the song that goes, your hair is beautiful. And um, my sister's got very long, beautiful hair. hair. And we always joke, and whenever I, you know, I'll play it uh, at home and stuff, and I'll be like, (laughs) your hair is beautiful. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to stop singing it, and um, I'll let Blondie do that. But um, Uncle Rick, as always, uh, thanks for an excellent pick, and I hope you enjoy this one.
absolute banger, if I don't say so myself, for this week. This week's Rick's pick. Um, Thank Atomic. you, Uncle Rick. Yeah, Atomic by Blondie. Like I feel like I I, feel, I say this often, but sometimes I see a song on the list and I like save it. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's gotta it's gotta be at the right time. And so I guess you were the right time of on. Maybe. Do you think Uncle Rick is uh, writing up a new list to present at Christmas time? Oh, don't tempt him. Uncle Rick. <laughs> Do it, Uncle Rick. No, I, I'm doing okay. Maybe ne- for next year's birthday, because that's when I got this year's list, was oh, on, okay. on my birthday. And I was like, is this my birthday present? And he's like, no, no, I just did it because you mentioned you needed more. Oh, now that's the thing I was going to ask you. Have you done up the spreadsheet of all the songs you've ever played? Uh, I have a playlist. It's oh, on right. Spotify. It's public. It's called uh, That's the Ticket of History. And it's like oh, cool. 10 hours long. Every song I've ever played. Because I try not to replay a song. Yeah. Like even if it's a guest song. Like yeah. I've told guests, I'm like, I can't play that song because I've already played it. But I mean, now that I've been going for so long, at what point can I start replaying? Oh, after your thousandth episode, I'd say. <laughs> a thousand episodes. Yeah. I mean, I do actually, on my annual anniversary of That's the Ticker, I always replay the first Rick's pick that I ever played, which is Africa by Toto. Oh, yeah. And Uncle Rick, is um, he's on board with that because there have actually been occasions when I have accidentally played a Rick's pick that I've played before and he's called me out on it. He's like, you realise you played this in episode, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, one, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> two, you calling me out? No, no, no. I'm kidding, Uncle Rick. Like, he's, you know, he keeps me um So he's sort of like honest. your statistician. He, yeah, he's, he's really good. And, um, you know, he always gives me um, honest and positive feedback on the show, which I appreciate. You know, awesome. like, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I'm saying he's the number one fan because he's never missed an episode. Like, really? Yeah. He's he's very dedicated. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Everyone deserves a um, fan base like Uncle Rick. <laughs> I, I'd say I'd lend him out, but no. He's, he's, <laughs> he's only got time for me, or I'm saying that. Um, but, you know, going to take the focus off Uncle Rick for a minute, even though he is um, debatably the highlight of that's the ticket. He's, he's getting a, a bit of a fan base yeah. these days. But, um, you know... Uh, we're in the kind of last segment of the show, so I want to squish in some more um, HVAC questions. Uh, so this one um, came from the first um, HVAC. Mm. And, you know, you said, funnily enough, before that song break, you said, like, send in stuff that's tricky. And I think this one's tricky for you. Um, it's, do I need to get my show reviewed? It's tricky. <laughs> tricky, tricky. I mean, Avon is a reviewer. So at first guess, I would say that you'd be like, yes, because then I can come and review your show. Yeah. But, yeah, it's tricky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's similar. <laughs> We're getting into that territory of, like, not is my show worth reviewing, but, like, does it need it? What is, what is my show going to gain from getting a review? Exactly. So um, a couple of benefits of having a review done is it'll give you a completely independent uh, perspective on your production. Mm. Um, if, if you're looking to develop further productions down the line and you're looking to getting some funding, you can use it as part of a funding application to say, so-and-so reviewed this, this is what they had to say about my work the last time, so that can help. Um, and maybe the main thing is, or two main things, is actually it's just gives a bit of a shout-out to all the mahi that has gone on behind the scenes mm. and on stage because... 
generally these things are done voluntarily in terms of the people in your production. So just recognising their hard work, especially if it's outstanding. And then the main goal, I think, is to help drive ticket sales. So when I review, I prefer to be there on opening night, mm. um, just so I've got like fresh eyes and fresh look at it. And generally the energy is super high on opening night because the cast finally have an audience to play to. And um, then that opening night performance, after it's been reviewed, it may help sell out the rest of the season. Mm. If I can't make opening night, then I'll go to the second performance. I had that issue last weekend. I had uh, Footloose, and then the following day I did Earnest. Mm. So it was a bit of a double up there. Bit of a genre change as well. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, devil's advocate here, because, you know, I like making it tricky. Um, Like... What if it? What if you get a bad review though? So you know you could approach this being like, well, if I don't get any reviews, then I can't get a bad review. Then I can only speak on behalf of myself. Yeah. There are some, there are some vicious reviewers out there. Mm. Vicious, not really in Hamilton. I've seen some in Auckland that would just, oh my goodness, you would just run away and never crawl out from under your rock again mm. because they have been so cutting. Uh, I, My whole thing is about engaging people with the arts. I want people to go to the theatre and experience maybe for the first time and maybe like it and then, you know, become a, a frequent audience member. And so I always try and find something positive to say. Mm. And there's always going to be something that just, like, tickles my fancy. You know, it might be an amazing costume or just a a moment in the whole entire 80 minutes where somebody just captured their character perfectly or there was a really slick scene change. So it's not all just about the actors. It can be about the overall production because I also look at set lighting, music band, um, marketing campaign, production team, what's happening on stage. There's a lot that goes into it. Mm. Um, so although I sit there for the whole night furiously writing notes, it usually takes me several hours to actually crank out the review because I'm not just judging it on exactly what I've seen that night. I also read deeper into the work if I don't know it and get to know some of the cast and things by their um, bios in the programme. You do well under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just like, I asked a question, I'm like, is this me being mean to a bond? But I mean... Oh, you could never be mean to me. <laughs> but um, part of the reason I try and also get them out in a fairly timely manner is back in the day, um, like in the olden days before it was, you know, really the internet. Not really, but I'm thinking like 2000 and six or seven sometimes we would wait days and days for a review to come out and it just started to really wear people down they'd be like where's the review where's the review yeah. and you but know, then, sometimes it would be a week and for it to be published in the newspaper so this is probably a dumb question but are reviews for the like cast and the team or are they for audience slash potential audience I think they're for everyone. Yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah. Um, because I like people to know that I've appreciated the work that they've put in, but I also want to attract people to head along to the theatre and support the production. Mm. Um, oh, dear, what was I going to say? Sorry, I probably interrupted you. You did, and it was something really important. Oh, dear. I mean, I have another thing to say, or oh, do yeah? you want me to let you yeah, just... Yeah, no, no, okay. go ahead. <laughs> no, because I was just g- going to say, from this discussion, I feel like, I mean, I'm usually pretty pro getting stuff reviewed 
um, you know, as a marketer, especially mm. if it's a season. If it's a one-off performance, yep. eh. Yeah. Um, but then also, if it's a one-off performance, especially if it's a touring show, then it's there is reason for that to be reviewed because they, yep. you know, that collateral is helpful. So again, from yep. a marketing perspective. Yes. But I guess what I would say um, to people out there would be, Get it reviewed. What have you got to lose? And mm-hmm. even though I value your opinion, Yvonne, um, or and reviewers everywhere, I value their opinions. But also, if you get a negative review or something you disagree with, it's one person's opinion. Exactly. You. It, it is within your control whether or not you choose for your um, what how you feel about your own work mm. if it's defined by one person's opinion or not. Yeah. And then sometimes it might be just a really minor technical thing that might totally wind me up. Mm. So what I might do is sometimes I might just message them and say, look, the speaker stage left was buzzing in Act 2. And that's not something, you know, someone who's reading the review needs to know, but that's something the production needs to know. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. But right on for the arts is generally very kind. Yeah, no, she never gives a bad review. Um, no. I might review this show. This one? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had... Um, yeah. Have you ever reviewed a radio show? No. First time for everything. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Um, it was really good. <laughs> you should get involved. But um, last question. Yeah. And I can't believe we made it to the end. No. <laughs> but uh, this one uh, came in last time as well. And it's, why do you keep saying break a leg when you have guests on That's the Ticket? So I'll let you go first. Right. Because we can have an argue, argument about this right now. Right. So I believe that break a leg came from the olden days whereby you would say break a leg to the people who are like the understudies or the swing or something, um, hoping that they would – the curtains down the side of the stage, not the curtains that go across the, across the front, but in the um, side of stage area, they're usually long black panels. They're called legs, technically. Yeah. And so to break a leg means you actually walk beyond that curtain. So you actually make it onto stage. So breaking the leg isn't a physical, actual breaking of the leg. It's getting the opportunity to walk past the leg curtain and be on the stage. Okay. Because there's a few different theories out there. Oh, here we go. Here no, we go. Well, there is one where they'd say, you say break a leg to understudies because you want the person they're covering to, air quotes, break a leg or get injured or something so that the understudy could go on. Um, there's also a thing about uh, John Wilkes Booth breaking his leg after falling onto the stage is the most memorable thing to ever happen at a theatre. Who's John Wilkes Booth? The guy who shot Lincoln in the theatre. Oh. <laughs> Yvonne just getting a live history lesson. So you say break a leg. So memorable. That was oh, a very... back when I was a girl, I remember when Lincoln got shot. <laughs> no, but like it, it's one of the most memorable things to ever happen in a theatre. So you're like, break a leg because everyone will remember that. No, they're grasping there. That's but, nah. Yeah, it's I don't bit, buy that. It's got English, you say, um, energy. But um, then there's another theory where it's like referring to the up and the curtains going up and down. So to break a leg means that it doesn't go down. I'm doing mime on radio and Yvonne yeah. is like, this isn't good. No, it's not good. <laughs> Neither are her theories. Um, and I then, was right, she was wrong. Well, no, this is the one that I think is the most common. Okay. This last one, which is um, 
it's bad luck to, to say, say good luck. luck. So you say something bad. So yeah. I mean, we could just say bad luck instead of yeah. good luck, but you say break a leg because obviously you don't want someone to break their leg. Yeah. But it secretly means good luck without yeah. jinxing it. Yeah. So that's the other the other thing behind it as well. And then, so I do have another one. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, it's that break a leg could reference taking a bow so that you, you break your leg oh. from being straight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, this may be the last time of on the zebra on that's the joke. Oh, we've been on too many times anyway. No, this is this is good though. I feel like um round two of HVAC has been a bit of a success. Oh, it's a so. very passionate chat. Yeah, we have. <laughs> no, it's been awesome fun. Thank you. Hey, thank you. But um before we wrap stuff up, um I'm just gonna do upcoming events. Yeah. Which I'm sure you'll be attending because, you know, you're a re- reviewer and very supportive of the arts. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, she's always there in, in some form of capacity, but um in no particular order. Uh, coming up around the place. Uh, at the Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, the importance of being earnest oh. is running until the 2nd of December. And it's delightful. <laughs> go to it, go to it, go to it. Yep. Uh, review is available on Right On For The Arts, uh, which is on Facebook, Instagram, and you've got a website, which is pretty flash. Um, Thanks. <laughs> more info and tickets to the importance of being earnest are available at uh, gaslight.nz. Um over at the Meteor, Hamilton Operatic Society have their downtown musicals December concert running at the Meteor on the 3rd of December from 7pm. More info on tickets at themeteor.co.nz. Again, downtown musicals, wonderful event. And oh, it's something they've been doing for a couple of years. I had the opportunity to host it a few months ago. Mm. Really great talent and a fun night. Uh, yeah, definitely if Yvonne's there. Um, <laughs> but uh, December 3rd, we'll also see the Hamilton Christmas Parade down Anglesey Street at 2pm. So go to the parade, go to the, parade, go to the Meteor. It'll will be you be on time. a float? Um, can neither confirm nor deny. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to leave on it on a float. <laughs> um, I'm floating the idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then uh, last but not least, Hamilton Musical Theatre have uh, recently opened up auditions for their production of Sweeney Todd in 2024. <gasps> Auditions will be running in February 2024 and uh, full details and bookings can be made at hamiltonmusicaltheatre.co.nz. Awesome. Good stuff on the way. Yeah. Um, But on the topic of good stuff, um, I'm going to end the show on a high. Yeah. Because Yvonne has brought in a um, dance remix of a very popular song from a very popular musical. It's... uh, a dance remix of Footloose from yep. Footloose. Yeah. Because um, I'm in my <laughs> dance remix era at the moment. <laughs> and I just love this. And obviously I saw Footloose last weekend. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. And this is a bit of a banger. Yeah, it's a remix by AK and BJ. But um, yeah. Thanks again to Yvonne for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, always welcome back. And uh, to my lovely listeners, you can bet that I'll uh, be back here next week. Until then, Matewa Etefano.
episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.